Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Influencer Podcast. This is Julie Solomon, and I am so excited for you to hear today's conversation with the incredible Chris Plackey. Chris Plackey is one of the biggest, in my opinion, thought leaders and experts for entrepreneurial management. She has poured her life's work into learning about and then teaching women how to lead a team. Chris designed the how-to of team leadership through her incredible program, How to CEO for Female Entrepreneurs. She seriously, without a doubt, knows exactly how to help you lead, and there is no challenge that you're facing as a leader that she can't help you solve. Today's conversation is probably the favorite of the year. I hate saying favorites, but I have to I have to give it to her. I could have literally just listen to Chris's wisdom all day long. I had so many questions that I wanted to ask her, but I knew that our hour was up and I had to get her off the call. But man, is she amazing. We talk a lot about entrepreneurship today, leadership, how to lead a team. And specifically, Chris breaks down um, through her um, quiz that she actually shares at myceoquiz.com. She breaks down kind of the three stages that you can be in as you are growing a business. You can be the solopreneur, the entrepreneur, or the CEO. And each of those three buckets, if you will, require very different types of leadership, and they also require very different types of teams. And she breaks down kind of what the the those requirements are and how you can make sure that depending on what bucket you're in, you're really making um, the best effort that you can when it comes to team building, working with the right people, knowing how to hire the right people, and really showing up as the leader that you know that you are. We also talk a lot about trust in today's podcast episode, how to trust your team members to do their job. And she gives so much wisdom along the way. So without further ado, let's dive in. Hello, and welcome to the Influencer Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Solomon, business coach and brand expert. I invite you to join millions of our other listeners in building a brand that is influential, loved by the masses, and worth millions. The Influencer Podcast is the only resource you need to start, grow, and scale the brand and business of your wildest dreams. Discover why people all over the world call the Influencer Podcast their go-to for all things branding, influence, and marketing. That's what you want to get your hands on, right? Hi, Chris. Hello. I am so happy that you're here with us. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. Oh, this is going to be a really amazing conversation. And I think a very needed conversation. Um, all things women, leadership, entrepreneurship, team building. Mm -hmm. So I want to first get your take on why is female leadership important? Why should we care? <laughs> well, how much time do we have? <laughs> um, now it's interesting. You should ask me that. I, I, um, I have sitting in front of me, my remarkable, which is my tool that I use. And I spent a lot of time this morning actually writing about that. And I did a podcast a few months ago called, um, leadership is feminine. Mm -hmm. I'm actually gonna be changing the podcast to that name. And in in a nutshell, the way that I would answer that is we are at an unprecedented time with women starting their own businesses, which is exciting and amazing, right? We're what, over 11 million now um, strong and seeing more and more seven-figure earners on a regular basis, which is invigorating, empowering, um, thrilling, um, all of that. And I love it. But what comes with that are then a lot of women who 
are trying to figure out what it means to not just build a business, but lead a team to sustain and grow the business, right? As we sort of talked about before we started. And unfortunately, the paradigm of leadership is rooted in very old, thousands of years of very masculine models. And as women are entering into this space that maybe weren't traditionally leaders in companies, but they're now leading businesses, um, they're, they're looking for a paradigm. They're looking for their way to now grow this business through leveraging the talent of others. And too much of what's available to them doesn't fit. And so why does it matter? What does leadership have to do with being a woman and why does it matter is I think we are, in addition to the growth of women in entrepreneurship, I think we're also standing on the precipice of huge paradigm shifts in what it means to be a leader and to engage others and to create environments where people can thrive. Um, I also think the pandemic completely escalated and elevated and um advanced the meaning of work and the relationship that people have with work. So I just think we're in this really, really awesome time and we need women here to help change the conversation and drive um, a, a literally a new paradigm of leadership. Mm. That's much more. Um, yeah, that's, it's so good. And I think that conceptually, I think a lot of women can understand that and can, mm-hmm. uh, it's like, they want it. They'll say they want it. Okay. I want to do this, but then it never happens. Mm-hmm. When I see that, I think, cause I think that a woman who learns how to lead herself can lead other women, mm-hmm. but you really have to learn how to do that. And I, I believe, and I also know that you believe from following your work and listening to your podcast, it starts with your mind and managing yeah. your mind. And so yeah. for those women that are listening that are like, yes, I hear you. I want to be a part of that paradigm shift. I see it. I feel it in my bones, but I can't get out of my own damn way. Mm-hmm. What are some of the reasons why women will keep themselves from really showing up and leading to the best of their ability? And, and how can we start to kind of overcome some of those blocks? So I think there's a couple things that I would say, right? Like that, that could be like a two day course, but the, the, the first one is the transformation. So when we're growing a business, the business and the woman running it in order for the business to thrive, the, the woman running, it has to grow with the business. Right. And what we see a lot, especially in online industry is that the business grows a lot faster than the person running it because of the product. It's just timed well. And then the woman is over her skis, right? Now she's got this million dollar business and she doesn't know what the, she doesn't know what she's doing yet. She hasn't grown. And so the transformation that we seek for our business is always rooted in who we are. And the way that I think about that is you were born with everything you needed. You have simultaneously your own um, opportunities and superpowers. You have your own roadblocks and you have your own course material. (laughs) You are your work. And so as you're evolving and your business is growing, even if you just started your business, every point of discomfort is an opportunity for a choice. 
And that choice is that you're either going to quit, you're going to mimic someone else, or you are going to do the work to discover why this is hard for me and how I will not only master it, but integrate the lesson and become better as a leader and a woman driving the success of my business. I think you are given those three choices. All of us are regularly. And some of us, it's easier to quit and that's fine. Some of us, we think if we just buy what other people are doing and we mimic, we'll get the result. And I always want to ask people, how's that working for you? And then the last piece is the true work is, oh, this is the part where I have to do the work internally. And so that's why, I mean, that's why people like me exist on the planet. Like we need, you have to have a mentor, a coach, an advisor. I don't know how anybody functions. I have a coach. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to have somewhere you can go to work out your mess. And maybe that's it. Maybe, Mm. maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, some women Mm. are ingrained to think, well, I am, it's my cross to bear. Mm. I am the one, like I'm the helper. I'm the Mm -hmm. fixer, you know? So I, you know, I'm supposed to have all the answers. I'm supposed to be able to figure it all out. So I don't need to go and get help. And, and this is, this Mm -hmm. is something that, that I see a lot within this community of listeners in this podcast is that they'll have these big dreams and they'll have these big goals but then they're so afraid to invest time, money, energy, and resources. And even if they have some success, we always hit, yeah. there's always a next level and you always hit a wall yeah. um, that, that comes up. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that goes back to the mindset piece of, you always. know, is it, is it, is it, is it that feeling of thinking that we have to have it all figured out in order to show up or that, you know, where you can't fail or you can't be vulnerable Right. We use the word impot. We use the phrase imposter syndrome, which is, you know, basically just saying you don't feel like you belong where you are. And so then people hide or they make it up and they look even worse. (laughs) Right. And to anyone listening who is a, you know, a coach, a consultant, a healer, a a light worker, like whatever you call yourself. Right. Um, I have coached some of the most successful women in this industry. All of us need a coach. All of us. Nobody, nobody can be that good. Even the people who are the experts at managing your mind need someone else to help them do brain keeping is what we call it, right? And so your actual, your ability to raise your hand and ask for help is what can actually make you more successful. That transparency, that willingness to be seen, that authenticity, you know, part of the challenge of the online world that we're in right now is, it, and I know we have all talked about this, is this like, is anything real? And now it's like, we want to see more real. And so we, and so we watch people make breakfast and I'm like, okay, that's nice, but I don't, that's not the real I want. I'm, I want to see you. I want to hear you. Um, And so I think the women who get that, not just from a social marketing perspective, but really as a leadership perspective, showing that to your team, the vulnerability, being transparent, not not with everything, but you know what I'm saying, like, and demonstrating that level of authenticity, that's a superpower that women have. 
that makes you good to work for, makes you somewhere I want to go, makes you someone I want to help succeed versus trying to put on airs and fake it, which is tempting. Oh yeah. And Mm -hmm. and a lot easier. For a while until you end up like so many clients who are like, I built this thing. I hate it. Do I even want it? Yeah. And for influencers, right? Like I can't, I can't do anything without being on a walking billboard. Yeah. And And so I've actually coached several women out of it. Right. Like, How do I remove myself from this business so that the business is forward? Not me. Right. And that had a lot of influencers come to me and say, I didn't, I didn't start this to have what I have now and not in this ungrateful way, but I didn't start this to be a business owner. I didn't start this to create a business, but now it's here. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm seeing all of the amazingness that's, that my, that's coming from this in my life. And I've been able to retire my husband and build our dream home and, you know, pay, give, you know, buy my dad, the first car that he's ever had without a car note and all of the dreams. And they're like, but I don't, I don't know what's a, what's a P and L sheet. Like, I, I don't know. And I'm doing How do this I give someone a raise. Right. <laughs> Who do I need to hire? And, and first, and so I would love to chat about that for yeah. those listening, whether they're still in that solopreneur doing it all themselves mode, you know, maybe they've started to grow a small, but mighty team, or maybe there's someone that has, you know, an employee, a staff of 20. Mm-hmm. My friends, have you ever thought that you have done the hard part? You have started your business and you have taken that leap from belief into really stepping out and claiming a vision for yourself. But you know that if you want to make money doing what you love, you need other support. You need to grow. You need to scale. You need a marketing strategy. You need a lot of this stuff. Now, of course, I talk so much about these things, right? Like how to identify your target audience, where to find them, which marketing channels to focus on. So you're really making the most out of your budget. And of course, how to use things like data to set goals. But there's another great podcast that I love out there that also talks about this stuff. And it's called This is Small Business. This is Small Business, an original podcast from Amazon, answers so many of these kinds of questions. Whether you're dreaming of starting your business or you're looking to take a part-time side hustle full-time, or maybe you're a few years in and you're ready to scale. This is Small Business is going to give you the practical tips that you can start using today. And I know that if you love these topics on my podcast, you're going to love them on this one too. Make sure to follow This is Small Business on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you don't miss these fantastic episodes. And a big thanks to This is Small Business for sponsoring the show. How do we know when to hire Mm. based on those buckets that Mm -hmm. we could be in? When to hire, who to hire, how to hire. I know this could go (laughs) on all day because it's what you do. Go to CEOregister.com and join my program. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no. Let's answer this because there's, we always have to cut our teeth on, on on a roll. Right. And I think about hiring. I don't think about people. I think about roles. Okay. So that's the first distinction. And how do you know if you're ready, if you're that solopreneur and it's been you and maybe a contract graphic designer and a bookkeeper and a guy who does your Facebook ads. (laughs) Right. Um, But now, you know, you're like, okay, am I, should I hire? And the way that we know is you either have more money than you have time or you have more time than you have money. Right. So if you have more money than you have time, it's time to start buying time from other people. And that's what we call hiring, (laughs) right? That's what we're doing. Now, the goal of any hire 
is to generate results. One of the biggest misunderstandings of hiring it's, it's is not that, just to bring a, a, a person with a pulse just to fix anyone, and do all the tasks anyone, on the list and just. Yeah. yeah, no, it's not just to get stuff done. It's to oh. actually deliver a result. We oh. are paying. Yeah, I know it's novel. I know. <laughs> That's just crazy concept. Oh, results in a business. Who would have thunk it? Yeah, no, you're not paying them for their time. You're not paying for them for their experience. You're not paying for them for their skill. You're paying them to deliver a result, a key result, which is what we always do first when we create a job description is we figure out what is that key result, right? And even though I'm laughing at it, it is, it, it sounds like such a basic concept. And I know in my own business, how many times have I not done that? How yeah. many times have I hired somebody, somebody to complete tasks, to be the doer, mm -hmm. but then I'm still sitting over here delegating and deciding for them mm -hmm. and then having to be the visionary and design everything out. Mm -hmm. So, wow, you hire yeah. people to get results. Yes. And you have to then, of course, be clear about what is the result that you want. And how do you figure that out? Backwards. You, re, you reverse engineer, right? So instead of starting with what most people do, so if we're a solopreneur, I need a VA. That's the, usually the first one, right? And I love a good VA hire. I think it's the best first hire you could make because it forces you to do all this stuff if you do it, if you do do it. Um, and then once you've kind of cut your teeth on that process, then you can replicate. The best thing about hiring is it really is a replicatable process. And the best and worst thing about hiring is you will never, ever be done. <laughs> Just like you'll never be done. Sounds thrilling. No, I know. This, like, this is the stuff we sign up for. And we, to your point, we didn't know we signed up. Right. And I have people who've been in business for six years. And I'm like, when does hiring get easier? Um, listen to me. It gets easier because you have a process you follow. You'll never not be hiring. And I don't and think fact, it ever gets easier because people don't necessarily ever get easier. No, people, people are, are interesting. Yeah. And then we then we have different times of the market. Like right now, I have a um, one of my really close girlfriends is a is a head of talent for Twitter, mm -hmm. and she's like, "Yeah, we're on talent right now, even Twitter." Right? There are this is a tough market for all levels. So we're you know we're always having to recreate ourselves as employers to make ourselves attractive to the candidate we want. Mm. But it's like anything else. It's like, you should have an employee niche, just like you have a, a niche for your business, right? Who is your perfect client, customer? Who is your perfect employee, right? The more you get clear about that, the easier it is to attract them. And that's what we want to be doing on a regular basis. So you figure out that key result the way that you do that is you reverse engineer. So I usually start, if I'm working with a solopreneur, I have them write their job description as it is today. And then what we do is we look at, okay, based on everything you put on here, what are we, what are we saying you don't want to do anymore? Usually it's time, calendar, scheduling, maybe some personal assistant kinds of stuff, right? We sort of put it. So what is the key result? The key result could honestly just be create simplicity and ease in my life. And so how will you know that this person that you hire is delivering on that result? And then we come up with sort of these key objectives, mm -hmm. maintain my schedule, um, plan my time off and calendar and, and travel, 
book my personal appointments. You know, there's these key objectives. Ensure all clients are responded to. And then we write all the responsibilities, which fill in the bucket. That's how we do that versus like, oh my God, I just need somebody to do my laundry. Right. Check my emails and don't bother me. And don't talk to me. (laughs) Can I do that all through Slack? Do I have to talk to anyone? Kind of. Heaven forbid. Um, Yeah. And I, I do. I think that too. I feel like, and I've done this before. It's like, I'll hire someone and I'm like, oh, okay. So now I don't have to really be here anymore. And then I'm like, why aren't we growing? (laughs) Why aren't we, why isn't my business, you know, shooting through the roof because Julie's not here. (laughs) And I think that that's another, another misconception. Yes. You know, we can do it all by ourselves. You know, we don't need a coach. We don't need a team or we have a team. And now that I've found this person, they're going to make all of my dreams come true. Yeah. And you've then what we do is we abdicate and then we wonder why we're not getting the results. Right. So we're like, Oh, thank gosh, you're here to run my social media here. Here's a Dropbox folder with all my stuff in it. And then we don't get the results. So there's this, but that's very normal because most of us wait too long to hire. So then by the time we make that first hire, we're completely depleted. All we want is a vacation. And then you don't even really take one. So the, the, I know that the initial kind of conversation, sometimes it feels like it's slow because I just need to hire someone. I get that you just want to hire someone, but if you just trust me and take an extra three days, to just go through this process, you're going to hire so bad, so much better than you would have. And you're going to make sure that this person is prepared. So not only do we know, okay, I know when to hire. If I have more money than I have time, then I can look at, okay, what am I doing? And what am I ready to start delegating to someone else? That's how I kind of figure out what that first role should be. And it isn't always a VA, but most of the time it is, especially in kind of the online business space. And then I need to think about, okay, now how do I find these people? And how do I know if they're the right people, right? And the best way is to hire people. You can plot, you can put your posting anywhere. I'm going to tell you, like, there's no magic secret sauce to that. But the interview is where there is magic secret sauce. And that interview has to be rooted in the role and in your values. You have to ask questions that are about both, that are behavioral, not what would you do if, because everybody can make that up. And then really the key to any interview is what you ask them to do as a part of the process. I do not believe that entrepreneurs, especially if you're just kind of starting hiring, you don't have time to train people. You don't have time to develop people. You need people who can do the work immediately. And so you have to put them through some sort of project to assess their skill and don't compromise. Mm -hmm. If this is your queendom that you have built painstakingly hard with your blood, sweat, and tears, do not just let anybody in. Mm -hmm. That's huge. Protect it. Yeah. It's worth it. I loved what you said about, you know, actually give them a, like test them out. Yes. You know, and then don't make people don't marry someone without going on a couple of dates. dates. (laughs) Yeah. Unless you are on that, one of those crazy TV shows. Yeah. So it's, it's a, um, but it's the patience, right? we tend to be quick starts entrepreneurs. We like Mm -hmm. things just done because you know what? It's faster if I just do it myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Well, and I have a couple of questions about a few things. I want to get back to the interview because I have a question there, but quickly with this idea of, because I've made this mistake, you know, you hire, let's say a VA or someone, but then quickly and easily that person starts to kind of become a catch-all and a jack of all trades. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then it's like, they're not really getting results because they're so inundated with the doing and with the tasks. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, what, what are my results? And what are my KPIs? Mm -hmm. Are there any retributions or am I being even held accountable if I don't meet any no, goals? breathing and you're here. Right. <laughs> Which is like, that's always been me. I'm like, I'm going to hire these people and then they're not going to do their job. And then nothing happens to them, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. But it, it had to begin with me because I didn't lay the, 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 the I didn't have the clarity to begin with. So yep. how specific, even if it's, you know, a VA, how specific mm -hmm. do they need to get? And does that just go back to the results piece of, of, of what is, what is the desired outcome by hiring this person? Mm -hmm. Is more money. Okay. <laughs> That's it. I mean, I, I, I'm trying to oversimplify, but that's the truth, right? You, you have to, every person you bring into your business in an entrepreneurial organization should lead to more revenue, right? Because either you're freed up to do more of your marketing and whatever your magic sauce is, or that's what they're there to do, or they're supporting someone else who's doing that. Mm. So, but each individual role you can have very specific measures for. And, you know, the, your, your challenge that you mentioned is very common, right? They're here, they're not doing their job and then they're not held accountable. And why is that? Mm -hmm. Why don't you hold I, people accountable? Right. I think another one that I've experienced as well, that I think I know, cause I, you know, in the women that I coach, they'll bring this up that they're like, okay, I've hired this person, but I'm still kind of being a helicopter parent about it. And I'm micromanaging the process because I don't trust this person to do the job. Mm -hmm. And it comes back to the trust piece. Mm -hmm. Would you say, are there ways to overcome those feelings? How do you get to a place that you're like, I'm hiring you and I actually trust you to do your job and I'm going to stay in my lane and you're going to stay in your lane and you're going to own it. Does that start as early as the interviewing process? Mm -hmm. So first let's just say, where does trust come from? Most of us believe that other people make us either trust or not trust them. And, you know, trust is a feeling that comes with a, from a thought of what you think about them. They are trustworthy. They aren't trustworthy. I do trust them. I don't trust them. And that comes from what you believe. So you make things mean things. And, and female entrepreneurs are infamous for totally hovering and smothering because you, in the, in the same breath that we say we want help, we also qualify all that help and say, well, it better look like this or I don't want it. And so your tolerance for mistakes has to, you have to build some calluses and you have to have sort of these, like a bucket of like, these are non-negotiable mistakes. And these are, listen, <laughs> mistakes are going to happen. But because we're so intolerant of that, that then we immediately, somebody has a typo in an email or, you know, doesn't post a post correctly or something. And we lose our freaking minds. Like it's the end of the world. And that what we have, what we forget is what does that look like to the person working for us? Insanity. 
Yeah. Hard to please. Yeah. And then, so now we've started, you know, cause one of the biggest complaints, right. Is nobody can make a decision without me. Mm-hmm. Well, if you are very intolerant of their errors, they're going to be very afraid to take action without full authority and oversight. Right. And so now we've set ourselves up to this quagmire. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like, well, what's your part in that? <laughs> it's always a part. Always a part. Yeah. Even if it's 1%. 100%. Yeah. And so the trust I do think happens. And I do think that comes, it's very mutual. And like, how do I behave when things don't go well versus, and also how do you behave? Right. I look for people who, if there's a mistake, just ownership. Yeah. I jacked it up. I'm sorry. I should have done it differently. I didn't think about that versus, oh, well, you know, Julie didn't tell me she wanted it like that. Mm -hmm. I don't play with that. Right. No ownership. You don't stay here. Okay. So that's, that would be like a non-negotiable for you. Non-negotiable for me. Blame justification don't work for me. Mm -hmm. Ownership does. What if that was true? What they were saying, Chris didn't tell me she wanted it that way. Doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Well, cause that's a character trait. Yeah. It just means you want to blame someone else. What I would love to hear is, you know what? You're absolutely right. I'm going to look at how we could do this differently. I'll talk to Chris. Boom. But not it's Chris's fault. Right. Because yeah. even, even in that example, right? Why didn't you tell me that Chris, why, why did it end up that it just didn't get done versus you coming to me and saying, Hey, I don't have what I need yet. Right. To get it. Done. I'm not clear on this. I don't, yeah. I don't know what, what, what is your desired outcome? What is the goal? Yeah. Are, we, are we all on the same page here? Yeah. And I think a lot of times that as, as, a, as a visionary and as a lead, like I know the goal sitting mm-hmm. pretty right here in my head. I feel it in my bones. I'm, I'm crystal clear. Do a mind meld. Yeah. <laughs> and then everyone else is like, what day is it? You know, out to lunch. And so, and it's not that they're not capable. It's not that they're not experienced, that they're, that they don't have the drive. They don't have the passion. It's just, we're, we, we're not mind readers and we can't expect others to be. And so I loved what you said. It's it really whether you're hiring, whether you're delegating, whether you're it comes back to what are the what is the result that you're wanting from this person, this project, this Mm -hmm. launch? What is the result? Yeah, and have you painted it clearly so they know how to win? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that phrase um, I say a lot is, "Do they know how to win? Do they know how to win?" Right. A lot of times we know how we want people to win, but we don't, we forget to tell them that part. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's just, it's, it's, I'm laughing because it's just so true. And I'm, I know you see it all the time. Um, quickly going back to the interview process, because I know that I'm going to be have listeners that are like, Julie, do not continue this conversation unless you ask this question is there. And if there's not, that's fine. But Mm -hmm. is there like one must question? that needs to be, it doesn't matter the industry, maybe it doesn't even matter the role, potentially. Any must ask question? No. <laughs> there we go. We have All our right. answer. I know, I know there, you can buy books with interview questions in them and no no uh, shade to them. Like, listen, if you if it helps you think, but I think all your questions are rooted in the job description. Right. And in, if you, you know, what I always recommend is women are very clear about cultivating 
communicating, honoring, and identifying the soul of their business. And that soul is wrapped into, right, where are we going? What's the vision? What are your values? The values of who you hire and fire, the behaviors that you expect of people at work. Because you and I could both be hiring virtual assistants, but I would have very different behavioral expectations of them to you, to you. and the, neither one is right or wrong. But the worst, the worst one is the one that's not communicated, right? And a lot of women will say, I, I just, my expectations are too high. I've been told my expectations are too high. And I actually think there's no such thing as too high expectations. There's just uncommunicated, poorly communicated expectations. Yeah. Now we're not on the same page, but you've got to interview for that, right? Oh, I had a client who, she was, she was like legit, like female founder, like hiring her assistant. My coffee needs to be in the purple mug on my desk by 8.30. My lunch needs to be ordered by 11 on my desk by 11.45 from three, three restaurants. Like she was like, and, but she was so clear. Right. There was no mistaking what your job was going to be. Right. Working for her. And that's okay. Cause she got someone who wanted to do that. Right. Right. Doesn't so, make yeah. it bad. So I don't think there's a perfect interview question. I think there are questions that people ask because they think they're supposed to ask them, but they have nothing to do with the business that they're going to work in and the job they're going to have. Just write your own interview questions. And then here's the best news. Once you have a job description and you have interview questions and a project for a job, a role, now you have a little packet. You just tuck that away. And the next time you have to hire it again, do it again. Well, SOP for you. Yeah. All perfect. And what what is so amazing about that too? Because when I think about it on a deeper level, Mm. if there's no perfect interview question, what that what that does is that it gives you, if you choose, the permission to trust yourself Oh, and lead yeah. based off of what it is that you need. And I think a lot of times because of the, you know, the perfectionism or what, it's so mm. easy to, one of the ways that we resist is like, well, I need a strategy in mm. order to do that. Or I, I, I need to be told what to do. I need a step-by-step. If I don't have a step-by-step, I'm going to mess up. This isn't going to work. It's going to be a waste of time, money, energy, and resources, and I can't do it. When really that just comes down to why are you fighting against trusting your inner guidance and your inner wisdom so much? So thank you for that. And I hope that listeners hear that because I think that it could give you a lot more freedom in um, how stifling that structure can be. Yeah. And you don't need to create that lag in your business. Just go, start, interview, go. Don't wait to take the perfect course, right? Watch the perfect webinar, buy the perfect book, just go. Mm-hmm. And that can be hard sometimes. When I had a, a dear friend of mine who's a, a business owner tell me, she's like, I think you just need to, I think you just need to go take a bath and just relax. And I'm like, okay, so how do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> wait, I'm I like, have said that on a podcast. That's hysterical. Yeah, I'm like, okay, so I, I, she's like, well, you run a bath and you get in it. <laughs> And you just sit there. And I'm like, I don't, I can't, I like, I don't, I don't know. No. Yeah. I have to tell you, this is hysterical. We just redid our bathroom, our master bath. Mm-hmm. And I took the bathtub out because I'm like, I don't, I hate the bathtub. Yeah. All that happens in the bathtub is me and my brain sit there in hot water thinking about everything else that needs to be done. So I, I don't, I, I have other things I do, not yeah. baths. Yeah. They're, the bathtub is gone. It's removed. Yeah. 
See, so that's the other choice. But I, I was, I was for days. I was like, I don't, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> I, I, I don't know how. Um, but it's the action, taking action, testing things out. That's where we learn. That's where, that's where the goodness is. Um, so I know that you have a quiz, and I want to share it to our listeners. MyCEOQuiz.com, because yep. I think that a lot of a lot of them will find it beneficial. Tell us a little bit about that. Based yeah, on so we were we we built that because we were finding that. Um, so when we started the How to CEO program, I promise this won't be a long story. But when we started the How to CEO program, we were finding that word CEO was kind of freaking people out, right? Mm-hmm. So they were like, um, "I'm not a CEO. I'm a business owner. I'm a woman. I have three employees. I'm not a CEO, right?" And I'm like, "No, no, 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 no. That's not the point. The point is." We're taking the word, we're taking it, we're going to claim it because, you know, in the world, there's a heck of a lot more men who are CEOs than women. And it's so funny because I read this whole article about all these silly entrepreneurs calling them CEOs and they're not really CEOs, you know, very minimizing. And and I'm like, oh, that's great. We're just going to take that word and use it all the time. Right. So now I got CEOs everywhere and I love it. And then I watch them introduce themselves they put on their Zoom, Chris Blackie, CEO, like it's fun. So that was the beginning of that. But because of that, it sort of made me think like, okay, what is the evolution of a CEO, mm-hmm. right? Because we do have stages of growth in our own business. And so that's where we went with, okay, there's the solopreneur, which is very me focused, understandably. And then there's the entrepreneur, which is very we focus. That's where we, and that's where most women are that I work with, right? That's that sort of depending on the business, but somewhere between around 750 K to about three or 4 million. That's where we start to be like, um, Oh, I, I need people to help me. Like you said, right. The wheels are falling off. The people I do have don't know what they're doing. Most of the people that hire me the first thing we do is figure out how to work out the people they've had the longest because they're usually the biggest drag on the business. But then we get to CEO, which is when now I'm really the custodian of something I'm not entrenched in anymore at a level that I was. And so there's an us sort of element to that. And then there's also really this side-by-side relationship that we, we come into. And that's where the freedom is entrepreneur phase is pretty rough. If I'm honest, that's the slog, man. Solopreneur is kind of fun, mm-hmm. like, Ooh, making money. And there's just me and my graphic designer entrepreneur is now I have to figure out how to get what's in my brain into other people so that their hands make what I want. And that's hard, but that mastery gets you to CEO, mm-hmm. which is okay. Now this business is its own being. And I'm simply here to take care of it and help it and nurture it and support it with humans mm. who can deliver on the promise of the role of the business. So that quiz helps you sort of discern where might you be and based on where you are, what are some um, ideas, some things to think about, you know, some tools to seek out that kind of stuff based on that. It's myceoquiz.com. Yes. I want to talk about this little thing called money. <laughs> um, with that idea, in mind, money. Yeah. solopreneur, entrepreneur, CEO, 
Mm. When should the mindset shift start happening where you separate, this is my money that I'm making that Julie Solomon can put in her bank account and hang out with versus, no, this is Empower You Inc.'s money. And I can't just take what I want whenever, I mean, I could, but then, you know, the business is going to drown and it's going to be living under a bridge. So where should that mindset shift start? Um, and, and what actions, I think it should start at the very beginning, but I, was I would, I would love immediately. Like yeah. if you catch someone right away, it's right away. It's like, and that I started my business nine years ago and the day I started it, I got a business bank account and that like that was immediate. I'm a huge fan of profit first as a methodology. So if you haven't read that, I encourage you to. And if you don't have um, a support, a financial support person, I, I think it's one of the first hires you should be making also is someone who helps you not just count what you earned and spent, which is typical bookkeeping, but helps you forecast and budget so that you are paying yourself and doing things well. And, um, but I think immediately the money does not belong to you. It belongs to the business and you are the custodian of that. Now, if you make the majority of it, good news, that's what, that's what it LLC's for, but it still has to have, there has to be this distinction that you are, it's not just all my money because it isn't. And you're right. It, you can starve the business and not, not support it with resources. And, you know, there are times in the business that there are growth years reap and sow, right. Sort of. And so, you know, I can speak specifically like our revenue has gone up tremendously, but I'm not really making a lot more because I've made so many more investments in my team over the past 12 months. So I have a much bigger team than I did a year ago, but it's been incredibly valuable for the growth of the business. And I did that on purpose and I wouldn't change it, but we have to be strategic about that because the business needs oxygen, which is money. And again, I know it sounds like a simple concept, but I, I work with a lot of entrepreneurs that are in, you know, the 250K plus kind of mark. And a lot of them will be like, they don't have those ducks in a row yet. And so I think that, especially if you grow really fast, like yeah. what Chris, you mentioned in the beginning mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, wow, I, you know, I, I was making $40,000 last year and now I'm making, you know, a $1.4 million and I don't know what I'm doing. And I, I didn't intend for this to happen or, or what have you. So I appreciate you sharing that. Um, <laughs> I would love to know what influence means to you. Mm. Oh, that's a good question. Um, well, I, you know, this is, well, um, I identify as pretty empathic. And so um, I, I, I have a lot of awareness of the sort of mutual impact that I have on others and vice versa, right? I'm very aware. And so, and I think because I tend to be pretty heart-centered in what I do, I'm very thoughtful about it. Um, I can tell if as a coach, you know, my job is to help reveal you to you. Yeah. Like, I don't know the answer you do. And my job is just sort of cultivate that and help you, but I can tell 
when I'm starting to have too much of there's too, because someone is so hungry for, for an answer, they'll just take, right. Kind of what we were talking about, like, just give me the answer and I'll, I'll just go do it. I'll just mimic it because it's easier. I don't have to do the labor. I don't have to do the work. And I can tell when that starts to happen and it doesn't, it's out of integrity for me. So influence has to be very mutually beneficial um, in order for it to be in integrity. I think there can be very negative influences and people do that on purpose. Um, and I also think that can bleed into leadership and abuse honestly, and power and authority abuse. Um, and so I'm very thoughtful about it. And I'm also very thoughtful about then who I let in to have access. You know, my uh, Dr. Camille Wise, who works on my team, she is our conscious inclusion advisor. And one of the things that she says regularly is um, to be very aware of your intellectual nutrition. Mm-hmm. And I think in a time in social media, in the space that we're in, we are devouring so much so passively that we are being so influenced. And then, and in many cases, I don't know if it's for the best reason. And so we just have to be very thoughtful. It's that's leadership to me is discernment and not being gullible. Um, I don't know. It's kind of all over the board with that. Well, and it made me think of something um, with your, you know, an empath coach. There's a lot of them out there. Where does the coach end and the client begin? Oh, that's easy to me. Um, because I, this is what I've spent my whole life that like that, that, um, I'm like a conduit. I don't, I've never attached to a client. So there isn't a diff, there there is that there's always a line. There's you and there's me. For those listening that can't wrap their head around that, because I know that there's a lot of them that are like, you know, I I want my clients to succeed. I want, you know, and they're they're holding the container, but then they're also codependently holding the hand of the client. Um, does this go back to managing your mind and your thoughts? Yeah. And hold, learning how to hold space. You know, I, I do think there's a lot of people who teach or think they know, think, think, call themselves coaches. And, um, and there's, a, as you're so, rubbing your head. <laughs> yes. Because, and I love that. I think that, that, you know, there's, we need as many as we can get on the planet who are good and capable because all of us need one. Um, but there is a difference between, you know, people who want to advise and, and consult, which is great too. We need right. those. And mentor, great too. Love that. Coaching is a very pure space that in this is how I define it, right? It, that I do not have your wisdom. I am, it's not mine. My job is to just invite you to a dialogue where I listen to you intently and I ask you questions to think about your own experience. And then out of that, we often make a wisdom cocktail, right? Like something that didn't exist before but that doesn't belong to me and it doesn't belong to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to your point about younger coaches, cause I do teach and train a lot of coaches and um, newer coaches do tend to be very um, because we're, we're all raised in this typical school model and um, you know, learn, mimic, reproduce, get an A. 
right? Like that's what, that's what we're taught. Like this is who I need to be in the world. And so then you go out and you start your own coaching business. Well, there's no get an A. (laughs) And so then we look for ways to say that I'm getting an A. And one of the most low-lying fruit of that is if my client's doing well. And so then now I start to use your results as evidence for my skill. And that works until it doesn't, right? Well, it's very externally contingent. Exactly. And I, like I say to my folks all the time, like, I don't know what you do after you hang up a call with me. You could go, you know, chase rabbits and cut their heads off. I have no idea who you really are when you're not on a call. I'm not going to take responsibility for who you are. I'm going to take responsibility for who I am right now on this call. That's who I am. Am I present? Am I grounded? Am I in tuned? Am I listening? Am I all in? And the truth is, from my perspective, the way I know that's true is I'll get off the phone or the Zoom call and I won't remember a damn thing. And that's how I know I was totally here because it's gone. It passes through me and then it's over. And that's what I've had to learn over time. I used to think I had to remember everything. And I now I realize, oh, no, 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 that's actually not true. So that must mean that what is also true, which kind of goes back to what we were saying at the beginning of the conversation, it's not my responsibility to save everyone. No. <laughs> wow. Crazy no. concept. I think it's a good news story, right? Yes. I also think it's not your responsibility to abdicate if if someone has entrusted you, right? Like women pay me money to help them improve their lives and their businesses. And I take that very seriously, but I don't take it to the point that I use it against myself if someone fails. Mm. Um, because no one has ever taken what I've done and put into the world and applied it meticulously and failed. What happens is people aren't willing. And so what we've done as a, as a team, actually this year, is we've gotten really clean on who we do and don't work with. Out the gate. Yes. Because there's people who will come in, and those are the people who tend to be sort of victim-villain prototypes. Yep. And so they're always the victim, but then they're always looking for a villain. And if you're not careful as a coach... That's you. You're the next villain. Yeah. Right. Because you're not making their dreams come true and it's all your right. fault. It's your fault. So we're really, I really, I mean, honestly, maybe three times a year now do that those people stumble in and they are, they are politely exited. Yeah. Oh, with the full cool. refund. What free, freedom. Yeah. And, and that's a, something else that I think, I don't know if like talking about money, that money does not belong to me. Yes. And I yes. let it go. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to give a good refund, man. Mm-hmm. Give it all back. Mm-hmm. Even someone who's been with you the whole program less one day. Yep. If it's icky money. Do not keep it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And I, I get, I mean, I, I just feel like there's with, with your wisdom, there just, mm-hmm. there comes so much permission because, you know, a lot of women feel like they need permission, even though they don't, mm-hmm. but they need permission to, to trust that, that inner authority. Yeah. And I love that you said that, that you could say, oh, wait, 
no, this is not, this does not have my name on it. This is not a good vibe. This is not a good fit. I was also told once by a coach and I love this, that if you have a client that is just, you know, falling, it's like, get the hell out of the line of fire so they can just be as aerodynamic as possible. And like, because that is, that is, that is their yes. gift. And, you yes. know, like as, as a coach, like the, the greatest thing that I can do for a client is give them 110% the dignity to have their own experience. Even if that means that they that don't get hurts. a single ounce of anything that they want and what their, what their goal or intention is. Yeah. We call it a burning house in our little world. And we had someone this week, actually, that we met with and my teammate and I were talking after and I'm like, okay, that was it right there. That's a burning house. That's the house you think you're going to run in there and help it all. And all that happens is the damn thing falls down on top of you. So it's a no, but I do think that does take some (laughs) burning, right? You got to hit the wall. You got to get a little owies. Yeah. You got to work with some burning houses before you realize, you know, oh yeah, this house is, is not salvageable. Yeah. And I, I want to say this, I feel called to say this after what you just said about permission, women and permission, because I want to give people some grace here. Um, and it sort of goes back to what I said about, you know, our leadership paradigm and the world that we've, what we've really been operating in for thousands of years is women not being seen and allowed to be who they are without asking for permission. And so there is a real social and insidious cultural baked in knowing that we have, that we're all working to kind of get out of. And so I think the more we can help each other, the better, like, look, no, no, look at me. I did it. You're okay. You can do this, but it's, it's okay. Like, it's okay. If you feel like you need that because you've been taught to believe that not just not even verbally, just by the world. Right. And, um, don't take up space. Don't be too noisy. Don't ask for what you want. Certainly don't go get what you want. Don't be noisy about it. Don't be too aggressive. All those messages or wait your turn. Um, they're just lies that we've been taught to believe. And that, and that takes some undoing for some people more so than others. Mm. Chris, thank you. You're amazing. Okay. How to CEO. Tell us a little bit about it before we end this. And for everyone listening that is like, I need to go do this like yesterday, (laughs) where can they go to learn more and sign up? Do more and learn more. Okay. So how to CEO is, is a 12 week, 12 week program, right? So we always, uh, we have to make things in the program. So people, whatever. So it's 12 weeks of really amazing content on how to hire, fire, hold people accountable, deal with difficult employees, manage change in your organization, um, set up what I call your leadership operating system, which is how you build all of your performance metrics, your KPI, all the pieces. Yeah. But it's, we blend that with live coaching and consulting. And I do say that we do consulting because we do. Like you might come to a call and say, I don't know what position to hire. And I will consult with you to help you figure that out rather than just coach your brain. Okay. Um, and so I like to think about like the how to CEO, there's the, the content for your brain and the coaching and consulting is really for your soul and your spirit. 
And I really am in the business of transformation through deeply supporting women through this journey. Because when you come out through learning who you want to be as a CEO and the kind of organization you really want to be an extension of whatever that business is that you've been kissed with that you want to put in the world, there's so much freedom on the other side. And what we need is more and more women thriving because it will change the world. And that's my vision is to prove the power of one thriving woman. Mm -hmm. So how to CEO is quite, it's a real powerful incubator for all elements of you as a leader, team manager, developer, and, you know, the woman doing the work of it. And then is it open anytime? It is. We have it open. Um, Right now we're going to be opening registration again. I don't know when this will post, but um, every month we have opportunities for registration. We're in July right now, and we will have some opportunities towards the end of the month. And people can go to howtoceoregister.com. Um, or they can just email Amy S at chrisplackey.com and just if they want to book an appointment and chat about it, they can do that as well. So, and is that the only way to work with you and or your team? Yep. Okay. Yeah. And what's cool is once you're in, then we do a thing called the lab that's more ongoing coaching. And then I also do um, retreats. Mm hmm for female entrepreneurs. So Amazing. the next one I'm doing is again in Hawaii and I only open those up to clients. Awesome. Yeah. Super fun. That is great. Super okay. fun. Thank you so much for being here and for sharing all of your insights and laughing with me. And, um, I can't wait to hear what everyone thinks. And with that said, as always, if you had any light bulb moments, um, anything that was really transformative or curious or interesting for you in today's uh, conversation, Chris and I would love to know what that is. So of course, screenshot this episode, put it on your Instagram story, tag myself at Jill Solomon and at, is it Chris Plackey? Oh, Chris Plackey coach on Instagram. Yeah. Yep. Chris, Chris Plackey coach. And let us know what your biggest takeaways were so we can connect with you there and share your biggest takeaways with our communities as well. Yes. And- Thank you again. I so appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. That is it for today. Now, are you ready to make more money and impact? If so, head over to juliesolomon.net slash accelerator to learn more about my coaching program and apply. All right. I'll see you again. Same time, same place next week.